right, we're back. Bill Michaels Show. Welcome in. Ben Kenny, Grant Bills here with you on this Friday. Bill Michaels back on Monday. Rogers chatter, probably some draft chatter to come. A lot of March Madness stuff this weekend. Got the Bucks in action tonight and on Saturday. A couple, couple big games, big road trip. Fend off some challengers in the East. You got, uh, Grant, I just saw the Twitter video you posted of Colin Coward going from whether Michael Jordan's a winner to Austin Reeves, which is, is hilarious and awesome. So funny. He's the best. Austin um, Reeves. But I, the question of the day, where we started, at Benzie Kenny on Twitter, has the Packers offseason been a success thus far? 75% of people thus far still say no. Some of that coming from the fact the trade is not done. Some of it coming from the fact that not much, not, not many signings have happened. Grant and I both share the opinion that uh, given the situation everything is in and if the Rodgers moving on was a given, I would call it a success that the transition is happening somewhat cleanly and the future is very clear. The path is very clear. And they weren't going to go and get guys anyway. They, they brought back Keyshawn Nixon. I'm probably, uh, I'm a lot more excited about that. And then I'm totally fine with some of the guys who moved on, moving on. I don't think Robert Tanyan would have been a, a huge piece of, or I would have rather him not be the primary tight end next season. I think a rookie yeah. in that spot, a talented rookie, will fit a lot and better. If he's, if he's not going to be your number one guy, then you don't want to pay the free agency money to bring him back. And I feel a little bummed about and for Robert Tunyon. The same reason I feel bummed for MVS is their final season in Green Bay on the rookie deals when they were most valuable to the team. They both got hurt, right? So MVS was probably not going to get a second contract in Green Bay because Adams was there and Rodgers getting paid. But he still was a really impactful player on that rookie deal. But when he was peaking... And when he finally matured as much as he was going to mature on that rookie deal, he got hurt. And then same with Robert Tunyon. So the timing of both of their trajectories as Green Bay Packers really sucked. Yes. And then you also have uh, the Peace Grant people have brought up that the deal should have been done last offseason, which I still kind of want to push back on. It's It's still something where, yes, if you look at it in a vacuum, if I was playing Madden, or I play a lot of out-of-the-park baseball, if you know what that is. It's a okay. simulation game on your computer where you pretty much manage a baseball team. You simulate the games. It's a lot of fun as a baseball snob. Someone who, you know, you, you build teams, you trade good players for prospects, you trade prospects for good players. You can try to be David Stearns for a bit without an owner telling you that you have to trade the best player. But even if it, if it was all in a vacuum, sure, the deal last year could have made sense. But it wasn't. I don't care how he played in the San Francisco game. He's coming off back-to-back MVPs and, I mean, was one of a top three quarterback in football. And the championship window still existed. That's what last year was for. And it didn't happen. It just didn't come to fruition for so many reasons that have been chronicled really since the season began. So, So now the thought process to do it now is obviously it makes a lot more sense given where the roster is, given where Rodgers is. But that's only knowing what last year was. Yeah. If you go back to last offseason and, and you trade him, he plays like an MVP again and wins a Super Bowl, you feel like an idiot. And I guess that could happen this offseason as well. But again, the 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 part of last offseason or last season happening 
and, and the struggles and where the roster is trending, I think makes that nearly impossible. So that's, that's the one piece I'll push back on in terms of was this, is this off season a success to say that the deal had to have been done last year. I just don't think it was possible to do it. I, I think we would have gone up to green Bay and had pitchforks outside 1265. Yeah. And from what we read and what we're hearing now, Jordan Love wasn't ready. They didn't feel super confident in him. Now, we could talk about whether the contract they gave to Rodgers was a good idea. It's one thing to not trade him. It's another to give him that extension that they're really now dealing with. And the Jets and and the Packers are trying to figure out. And it's a mess and it's a terrible deal. And it's going to probably stick with the Packers financially for a while. So I'm not defending the extension they gave him. I still want to know why they did that. But I don't think you can move off of him after last year. And I remember coming in days after that Niners game, that loss, and saying, just do it now. Just move on. They're getting farther away from the Super Bowl. You're going to get more form right now than you ever would. And then after a couple of days, I came to my senses and I said, you can't. You, can't. you just want an MVP. The NFC is down. You just can't. So for everyone that wants to go back now and say they should have traded him last year, yeah, but it was impossible. And it's very easy to say that now after the fact. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy was the Packers offseason. Has it been to this point a success? Do you view it as successful? Still, almost eighty percent of people say no. At Benzie Kenny on Twitter, another response uh, had the SpongeBob GIF of the to-do list of nothing, and Patrick crosses off nothing, saying that there have been no signings and nothing really material to react to. Which again, I I see that as they're not really in a spot to do that. I don't know if that's the best path forward where the draft picks are the things that make the future more clear. And then after you see where the young talent is, then you add to it. So that's coming up uh, next off season. So eight, seven, seven, eight, six, seven, 1670. If you want to chime in on that, we also grant have a, a gift from the radio gods. Oh, always when the off season comes around, everybody loves to rank quarterbacks. Everyone's got to do it. And the whole league-wide quarterback rankings isn't as fun for what we do because all the good ones are in the IFC. And none of them clearly play for the Packers. So, Or I guess we could argue Rodgers versus Joe Burrow or Rodgers versus whoever. But still, once he becomes a Jet, I don't think that's, that's a very productive thing to do. However, on PFF, written by Sam Monson, is the Friday ranking... Show. Ranking the NFC quarterbacks after the first wave of NFL free agency. An NFC only ranking in my favorite part of ranking, which is tiers. Okay. If you follow any of my work, you know I am a big fan of tiers. Ben tiers, Kenny. Can I try to guess? Sure. Well, the tiers are. Yes, the tiers are listed in a descriptive manner instead of tier one. So I can give you the tier and you can guess who is in it. Okay. Okay. The, The first tier. As elite as the AFC. Um, is there nobody in this tier? Wrong. Okay, so Jalen Hurts. Yep. Is that it? That's it. Yep. Jalen Hurts is the one. I would, I would generally agree after what we saw last year. He's also a guy that every single season, go back to his freshman year at Alabama, he's gotten better. Mm-hmm. So I think he's someone who it's safe to say will not, it, it wasn't a Cam Newton. Oh, look, there's an amazing year. Jalen Hurts has gotten better and he is like Cam Newton. This is the comparison I'll make. Cam Newton was so gifted in every way. We're in college. I, it, he's probably the best college quarterback I've ever seen. 
carried Auburn to a national title. But he was so talented that I don't know if everything else was done well. Meanwhile, Jalen Hurts had arm deficiencies and clearly wasn't a good enough passer. Nick Saban benched him in the national title game. And then since that point, because he, he, he was lacking in some areas, I think that leads to working harder to get those areas better, which then leads to a better work ethic and then has led to the success he's had. Huge green flag for an athlete in any sport is uh, progress in every department every year. Like if you look at Giannis's stats from one year to the next, he just gets a little bit better at everything year by year by year. There's never a plateau, right? There's never regression. It's just a steady improvement. So I buy stock into what that athlete is about and the way they go about their business. It's the same with Jalen Hurts, right? Where it's like, well, maybe there's physical limitations, not as gifted, always played with talent, but that is just a huge green flag. So I would buy Jalen Hurts stock, even though we haven't really seen him in a context outside of a, like an all-star team. Like the Eagles were great last year. Bama was great. I buy into what he is. Well, the year before, oh, the year before they were not great. They didn't have any receivers. They had Devontae Smith, but but the offense the offense was average. But they couldn't throw the ball. They were the best running team yeah. in football. So that's fair. But there was a huge jump from that year to this past year, which um, which yeah, that's what I would buy stock in. I would say Stephen Crowell probably fits that mold as well as constant yeah, progression in every area. Shut up. Bank on it for next season. So the next tier, Grant, a a capable okay. run of elite play. Okay. Uh, capable Cousins. of a run. I don't know if I Kirk worded Cousins, that probably. correctly. Kirk is in there. Yes. Stafford. Correct. Because we've seen it. I don't think Stafford's very good, but we have seen he is quite literally capable of an elite run of play. There are um, four guys in this tier. Okay. So that's the first two. Dak. Yep. And not Goff. No, not Goff. Have we seen it? Was that playoff Super Bowl run an example of an elite stretch of play? Probably not. I would argue not. Not Kyler. It's Kyler. In parentheses, Ah. when healthy. Okay, he belongs in his own tier. I thought Kyler was going to have his own thing going on. No, it's those four. Uh, After Hurts, NFC quarterback landscapes, uh, the landscape nosedives, the guaranteed elite, which is Hurts, and then aside from that is they can be elite, but also we have seen many of those quarterbacks really struggle when it matters. So there's your second tier. There's the four. The next four needs a super team supporting cast. Okay. Daniel Jones. Correct. Jared Goff. Yes. Gino. Gino. My guy. Uh, Brock Purdy. No, the last one's tough. Not Jimmy G, is it? No, he's on the Raiders. Oh, yeah. I forgot that happened. Wow. Uh, Derek Carr. Derek it, Carr. It's Derek Carr. Yep. Yeah. Um, after these players who are capable of elite play at times, we have a group of capable starters whose teams are still fairly strongly invested in them. This is the this is the area you don't want to be in, where the Giants are. Where, I mean, the Saints are with Carr. I like golf on the Lions, but I still don't know if he can go and do it. Right, I don't know if the elite play is there. You don't want to be paying a middling starter because then you're stuck. Would you, Ben Kenny, fan of the NFC East Eagles, be able to put your bias aside and tell me, would you rather at this moment in time be the Giants or the Jets? Wow. 
Well, love either one. Given the history of the Jets, whatever they do is going to be wrong. And given the history of the Giants, they can win Super Bowls with extremely average quarterbacks. All right. Uh, Or they can win two Super Bowls with one extremely average quarterback. So I would rather be the Giants. They're better run. I love Dayball. I think their front office figured figured it out after their their old GM was an absolute catastrophe. Also, the Jets are in the AFC East. And they are so clearly the worst organization in the AFC East, which is saying a lot because I'm not a big fan of what the Dolphins do. Colin Cowherd referred to the Giants yesterday as an accounting firm. (laughs) And I weirdly think that's a good thing. But you're a numbers man and a common sense man. You probably hear that as a compliment to the Giants as well. Even though the Daniel Jones contract sucks, they are the type of team that can do something with a quarterback like that. This is good, Grant. The next tier. After the needs a super team supporting cast, the next tier is labeled is Baker Mayfield. <laughs> and in that That's tier it. is Baker Mayfield who I, I mean, might start games. I, I don't know. That's not a position I'd want to be in. And then the last one is the interesting one. They're too young or they're too inexperienced to tell. Okay. So and that's six Fields, guys. Yep. Justin Fields, Brock Purdy slash Trey Lance. Yes. Um, Sam Howell. Jeez. Sam Howell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Phil Longo product right there. Gross. Uh, whoever the Panthers have. Carolina Panthers rookie. <laughs> yeah. Which okay. probably yeah. will be Stroud. I hope it's Stroud. Uh-huh. Two more. Who? What team haven't we done yet? Well, the Packers. Uh, oh, Desmond, Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter and Jordan and Love. Jordan Love. Yeah. Yep. So there's the six. I guess here's the point I would like to make here. And I think it is a little unfair to project this much about guys we have not seen play enough. Fields hasn't really played enough, and he hasn't been surrounded by anybody. I'm a Purdy skeptic, but still hasn't played enough. If he comes back from the injury and has a great year, then he rises clearly. I'm not a Ritter fan, but but all these guys and the whoever the Panthers draft, we haven't we don't know what they are. Obviously, we have no clue what love is. We can just project on it. But the question I would ask, and this does not have to do with love as much. It has to do with the rest of the names we just went through. Realistically, how far away is Jordan love in terms of people he would have to surpass and how far in terms of distance that is from the Dak Prescott, Kirk cousins, Matthew Stafford tier. So he's got to pass Ritter, which I think he can do. We'll put aside all the young guys. I mean, okay. Okay. How, how far realistically are we from him being better than Daniel Jones and Jared Goff? I think close, right? Well, it's either going to happen or it's not, which is, okay. which is a big let part me, of it. Me, let me back up and explain. I want to say close. I want to say he's right there. I don't, I don't like the Jordan Love fan fiction, right? And I don't want to be a part of it. Like when I read Tyler Dunn stuff, and I love Tyler, and I told him this when he came on the show. I know he comes on Bill's show too. I read his stuff, and I'm like, I'm excited about love too, but this is this is nuts. Like you got quotes in these stories. Well, I don't want to compare him to Mahomes because that that puts a ceiling on his game. Please, are you you wrote that down? So like I'm I'm enthusiastic and I'm excited to see what Jordan Love can be, but I don't want to put the cart before the horse here. I got to see him play. So I I want to be very measured in 
what I say and my enthusiasm about him. I don't, I don't want to sit here and say he's Jared Goff. Jared Goff took a team to the Super Bowl. Yes, I don't want this to be a, well, Jared Goff took a team to the Super Bowl the same way that Brock Purdy won games. He was on a team that went to the Super Bowl. That still counts for something, but yes, I let me change my language there. So, I, yeah, I don't want this to be a, a Jordan. I, I don't want to project and say Jordan Love will or will not because I think that would be unfair. We don't know if he will, and we don't know if he'll fat, fall flat on his face and, and fail. But the message here, I guess I would try to send, is that in the scheme of the NFC, which, figure, I mean, it all comes in waves. It's going to get better. The bad teams will draft guys. Stroud and Fields will probably, in my opinion, be quite good. And which will, by the way, end the whole Ohio State thing, which I cannot wait for that to end. Um, saying a guy has no chance because of the laundry he wears. But how far is he realistically from entering one of the top tiers in the conference? And I don't think it would take that much for him to get there. I think that's the point. In terms of what can we... like. I think expectations are going to be set way too high on him next season. We're obviously going to overanalyze everything, but if something doesn't go wrong or if something does go wrong, I think we'll be caught up in the moment and use it to project forward to say, okay, he won't be good or his career's over. It's a failure, which if we look at a lot of the successful quarterbacks recently, year one was a building period and year two starting is when a lot of them figured it out. The Eagles tried to move off Jalen Hurts last offseason. They tried to get Russ Wilson. They were in on Deshaun Watson. They didn't, and they got lucky, and he became incredible, right? So I think we're going to put way too high expectations on Love and try to look forward. If it's good, then oh, he's amazing. And if it's bad, then okay, he's done. But in general, if we look long-term, how much, like, how much of a jump does he have to make to be better than Daniel Jones and Jared Goff? It's not that big of one. So then you're the Packers and you're sitting there and there aren't that many elite quarterbacks in the conference and you happen to find another one. It, it's not, we're not far off from the Packers having a top three to five quarterback in the NFC. Agreed. But I don't want to assign him that. I don't want to sit here and say, well, he'll just, he, he's going to be that. Because I think a lot of Packers fans just assume that. I, don't want, I need to see it first. I don't want to be Jordan Love fan fiction guy. Because we've been so used, not to be this guy, we've been so used to great quarterback play, we've almost come to expect it. Like when our quarterback for the Green Bay Packers goes out there, he's just better than the other quarterback most of the time, right? And that's not a reality for a lot of teams. So I don't just want to assume it's going to be a reality for mine until I see Jordan Love go out there and play. Although I'm very enthusiastic. He's he's seasoned. He knows the offense. I'm excited. I just, I, I really don't want to project too much because I don't think it's fair. Oh, we got Tom Clements in there teaching him up. Like he did with Rodgers in the locker room covering his game. I mean, the I, a big question I would ask, though, is, I mean, the Packers are in a nearly perfect situation where they're not committed to him. The Vikings paying Kirk Cousins was a colossal mistake because they thought he was the guy to get them over the top. Where would would yeah. I'm not saying I think this I think it's a question is are the Packers in a better quarterback situation than the Giants are? I would argue yes. Yeah. Given the contract they just gave, which they could get out from under, but still Daniel Jones. I don't think he's he's going anywhere. Are the are the Packers in a better quarterback situation than the than the Lions, than the Saints? Saints, yes. That's what I'm saying is the flexibility is there. 
where you get to see it, and th- there isn't that far until he's until he warrants that money. I would say what I like about the Packers situation with Jordan Love, and if you ripped Goody for the pick, you know you kind of also got to give him some credit here. Is he's been sitting for three years, so we're not going to watch Jordan Love this season and then say, well, he's just he's just starting to figure it out. He's just starting to learn the offense. He's just scratching the surface. We're not going to know what he is this year, but we're going to start to have a good idea, and we're going to know more about him after this season than we would if he was just drafted or he just got to town, and that's the benefit of having him sitting behind Rodgers is you don't waste as much time trying to figure out whether or not he's the guy. It's going to be a little bit more of an efficient process, right, rather than just drafting Sam Howell and throwing him in there and seeing what he is. And he is still younger than Stetson Bennett. He's young. Yeah. 877-867-1670. He's two years older than Drew Timmy. For the rest. You know, that's what I was going to ask. 877-867-1670. I have some breaking wide receiver free agent news. And we're also going to talk some Lamar Jackson when we come back as well. We could take your calls. Has the Packers offseason been a success? At Benzie Kenny on Twitter, a lot of reaction. We could get to some of that coming up as well. Take your phone calls. A lot more to get to. That's Grant Bills. I'm Ben Kenny in for Bill Michaels. This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. We're back. Bill Michaels show. Ben Kenny Grant Bills in today. Got some breaking news, Grant. Yeah. In the in the wide receiver market, which kind of tells you how poor the receiver market is at the moment. He actually had a nice season last year. The Baltimore Ravens, according to Jordan Schultz, are signing wide receiver Nelson Aguilar to bolster their receiving core with Lamar Jackson question mark your guy um yeah my guy Nelson Aguilar always has been I mean yeah the Ravens have to get Lamar something but is like what's Lamar doing yes I'm glad that's where you went with this because Lamar's had a tough string of luck in that he's won an MVP and his contract situation hasn't really worked out. And there's lesser quarterbacks who are less deserving of a big deal who've gotten that contract. I also don't think Lamar is doing much to help himself in this situation. The Ravens, I think, carry a ton of blame. They don't really get offensive weapons for him. They don't help make him look better as a passer like the Eagles. The Eagles support Jalen Hurts and help him develop as a passer. I don't know that the Ravens have done the same, and I don't know that they've handled this well either. Maybe a little Packers-ish, old school, old way of thinking and handling their players. But Lamar's not helping himself right now. And I've heard a couple people start to say it. I don't want to be critical of Lamar because he's been a little unlucky and I feel a little bad, but he's got to help himself in this situation, and he's not. I mean, I'm somewhat fine criticizing him at this point. If you are, like, what he is seeking is not possible. You, you, You poop in one hand and you wish in the other, Grant. Nice. That's what he's doing. It's like they're they're not going to give him what he wants. There has to reach a point where you reach a compromise. Because in the same way that the Ravens probably won't, okay, well, a very desperate team would, but who is that team? 
let's say let's let's take out the Rogers stuff. Like, what if it's the Jets? Okay, does Lamar? First of all, the Jets would have to gut their future draft picks and or roster to trade for him and then give him the contract. It's like, what do you do? The best way forward is just by signing something that makes sense for you and also the team. Not to mention, okay, is is Nelson Aguilar the the game-changing receiver that the Ravens need? No. But they brought, they brought in Todd Munkin, the Georgia OC, who runs a similar kind of thing than what the Ravens have been running, obviously with the less athletic like his Stetson Bennett can move, but he's no Lamar. But I love Todd Munkin. I think they've actually moved forward offensively in terms of scheme. And whenever Lamar's on the field, they win. There was that one playoff game we remember with the Titans where they lost. That's kind of become the story around him. And then he's been hurt. I just think he like he is the one I think that has to come to the table. When you go through this without an agent, and the story yesterday is uh from <laughs> Uh, the the title reads, non-agent might be contacting teams for Lamar. <laughs> it's a lead. The Lamar Jackson offseason saga took another unexpected turn with the distribution of a league-wide memo and the involvement of a business partner on fitness equipment named Ken Francis. Goes on to say, Florida man, comma, Ken Francis, who's pushing new in-home fitness equipments, allegedly has been reaching out to teams on behalf of Lamar. It's like... If you're, if you're not going to have an agent, fine. But figure it out. There reaches a point where, okay, maybe then you need one to tell you that you're being crazy. This is why you have an agent. To listen to the team and to hear the criticisms and to do the negotiation and to do all this legal crap and contract crap that players, for the most part, aren't qualified for. They're not trained in. And why would a player want to spend their offseason talking to their team about all the reasons that they shouldn't get money. It's the same as arbitration, right? <laughs> That's why arbitration stinks as a system is because it requires the player and the player's representation to come in and listen to all the things that the team doesn't like about them, right? You want that agent to negotiate on your behalf. Lamar, get an agent. There's too much at stake here. There's generational wealth at stake. Your contract is 100% guaranteed or 90% guaranteed. This is generational money, man. And he's kind of doing it flying by the seat of his pants. I just think it's irresponsible. He can do what he wants, but I'm not going to feel bad for him if he doesn't get the contract he's looking for or it doesn't end well with his team, the Ravens. I'm a, I'm almost always pro player when it comes to all of this in yeah. the in the doling out of money from large corporation to said players who actually create the value. I think about that with college football as well. In this case though, I I am kind of with the Ravens. Like it's a circus. I don't know how else they're supposed to to handle it. You have Lamar's. He also tweeted yesterday, and maybe this isn't that significant, but I just I saw it. I rolled my eyes. He don't tweeted. Tweet. He tweeted the Ben Affleck gif, smoking a cigarette outside during COVID. Remember all the Ben Affleck pictures? Yeah. Yet he photoshopped a Lamar Jackson jersey onto Ben Affleck, and said, "This is every day, but it's okay to not be okay." Like I. I can't tell if that's a real tweet or if he's taking shots at the Ravens. I would kind of figure the the latter. You know how he could avoid feeling like that? Like Ben Affleck smoking a cigarette outside? Get an agent to do all this crap for you, right? You have the money. You have the connections in the league to vet an agent that you trust. It seems like he maybe has trust issues. He's very close to this family. Kawhi Leonard's kind of the same way. Coward, not to rip him off directly, compared <laughs> Lamar and Kawhi yesterday. I thought it was an interesting comp. A lot of mystery surrounding his injuries. 
the agency is his family and you don't really know much about him. Like, let professionals handle this for you, man. Like, there's too much at stake. Yep, 877-867-1670. It was, it was odd when all this was breaking yesterday because then Ken Francis, Mr. Florida man, came out and Sounds said... like a fake name. Oh, 100%. It sounds like a Ponzi scheme. He comes out and says that he is not contacting teams. I don't know where the, the line of... I don't know where the telephone went for it to reach this point of ESPN, of the NFL sending out a memo saying not to talk with this guy. He probably reached out to teams to wonder if they wanted to use his in-home fitness equipment and said he's friends with Lamar Jackson. I don't know, but it's weird. And if I'm a Ravens fan, if I'm a supporter of the Ravens, it's uh, probably the exact opposite of how I'd want my offseason going. Right? Look at the Packers. They're going into the season with love. That's fine. Mm -hmm. They're getting some picks for Rodgers. They don't have this whole quarterback goes on a uh, in-home fitness expedition promoting thing with guy who then reaches out to teams creates memo this is what we were talking about like an hour ago right if rogers and the packers were always going to split and this was inevitable i think the split is going about as amicably as you could expect right it's still a split it's still a divorce and there's always going to be some discomfort in a divorce but this is a pretty nice way to split he said he likes the fans likes the region it's nice lamar and the ravens it's the opposite seems to be a lot of animosity, a lot of dysfunction, a lot of mystery. The Packers have taken a lot of the mystery out of this saga. They've told us how they feel. Rodgers has now told us how he feels. Packers and Rodgers are doing okay. And then there's Lamar and the Ravens. It's like, I'm glad my team and my quarterback are not going through that. I'm glad I'm avoiding that. Yes, the the uh, the worst case. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I began reading. People are arguing on Twitter again about... <laughs> The Jets and the Packers and, and leverage. And I was about to chime in with the, with some some smart comment about, you know, love and, and splitting amicably. Oh, and telling everybody how they feel. Yeah, Mark Murphy did it at a high school girls basketball game. I sneaky kind of think that was evil genius. He was, those comments were direct, man. They were huh? like, yes, the exact words were what they were, but if you put them all together in the tone and compare it to previous statements, it told you exactly how he felt. I just cannot get over the setting of all of that happening. Well, that's the thing. He could hide behind the setting. Oh, shucks. I'm just some, you know, Green Bay businessman supporting local athletics and some TV reporter put a camera in my face. I, I don't know. It's very harmless, but the messaging got out there. Right. We all heard it. And he got that messaging out there before Rogers went on McAfee and kind of had a chance to set the narrative, which I think Rogers likes doing. Instead, Rogers going on McAfee to set the record straight. Right. Rogers was on the defensive. He was reacting. But you're right. That was the Friday that Rogers told them. So it was later in that day. Maybe maybe he's smarter than we give him credit for. Look, you don't get to be in the position that Mark Murphy is in without being pretty smart. I think sometimes he's a little naive, it would seem, but he's not a moron. He might be kind of naive and oafy and old, but he's not a moron. Yeah, I think Pat McAfee McAfee probably disagrees. 877-867-1670. Real quick, let's go back to the phones. Line one, you're on the Bill Michaels Show. Who do we got? Morning, boys. This is Tim from Sparta. How you doing? Tim, how are you? Tim. 
I haven't talked to Grant for quite a while. I've been able to listen to your show, Grant, and I miss that. Uh, but hopefully my, my schedule will change and I'll get a listen more often. Oh, Tim, you're going to come on and talk about Grant's show? What do you think hey. this is? <laughs> this isn't Grant's show. Local boy. <laughs> so, I appreciate that. Anyway, Grant I is a text line. The reason I wanted to call you guys was to say, I really enjoy you guys uh, together. I think you make a great team. Uh, but I was wondering there for a little bit on what exactly it was that you're smoking when you're talking about Jordan Love being top five quarterback in the NFC. That's not I, what I said. I know, no, no, no. I don't know where you're getting that Tim, from. Tim, that's not what I said. We were going through. It was made by Pro Football Focus, the tiers and where everybody ranks, not on a 1-15 to 15 basis, but in terms of grouping of quarterbacks. I simply said Jordan Love is not far from a tier where we would call it a huge success. And that doesn't have to do with him. It has to do with the other quarterbacks in the conference. I don't think, like, in, in all the realm of possibility, in all of the ways that this could play out, many of them lead to him joining one of the top tiers just because there aren't that many good quarterbacks in the conference. Well, yeah. you're right in that. I, I got in late on the conversation, and I apologize for misconstruing your words. But anybody that thinks that this guy is going to turn out to be the, the next coming, I, you know, when Rodgers showed up, the buzz was he can take over now. And that was from that was pretty much for after the first two weeks of, uh, of training camp, um, and you haven't heard that about Jordan Love to this day until right now. And I think that uh, Rogers has completely worn his welcome out. I mean, if you took a poll of the guys on the offense who would say, "Yep, bring him back for another year," loving to death, you know, wanting to play for us, blah 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 blah. I think you'd have David Bakhtiari in his in his uh, wheelhouse, yeah. and that's about it. Yeah, I'm with that. I mean, one thing I will say, I I completely agree with you. He is he is not the buzz is not near Rogers. There is a Bill Huber clip from his time on the Bill Michael Show from last week. I'll play when we come back. Actually, talking about what players are saying about love. So we'll get to that. But I do think part of last season, Rogers is hurt. He's not playing well. The team's losing. He wasn't going to accept being benched. I genuinely think part of that, given what we saw in the limited action was the fact that he also saw Love get a lot better. Not to the point of where Rodgers was when he started, but that there has been real improvement and steps are being are being taken. Well, I certainly hope you're right, and you guys have a great rest of your day. Appreciate it, Tim. Thanks, Tim. Tim's the best. Good as it gets. So here's the thing. Am I am I close to saying that I think he, he can and should be a top three or five quarterback in the conference? Yeah, probably close to saying that. I don't fully believe it because I think it's an unfair projection. The whole point is he is not far off from that, which would then lead to like, I think if you were to simulate this situation a hundred times, there's probably a, a better than 60% chance that, that, that he could become that just because of there isn't much distance between him and that in the conference. Yeah. Let, let's make that clear. I don't know that we're the biggest Jordan love fans in the world and saying he's going to be great. The NFC's, bad at quarterback like there's one guy that sam monson friend of show smart guy irish fella there's there's one guy that he even puts close to on par with the afc and that's jalen hurts that's it so it's more about the nfc than it is about jordan love at this moment in time i do think in the field of 
if you take the whole state of Wisconsin and polled everybody on their thoughts on love, I think I would fall in the in the 80th percentile of optimism. Where I'm up there, right. I, I'm not. I, I'm not all the way up there on on Tyler Dunn's level, which I, I mean, I hope Tyler Dunn's right. That'd be incredible. I do too. But in the grand scheme of things, I think I am towards the top of being optimistic, of of being excited. So we'll see. We'll see. I hope we're proven right. 877-867-1670. We'll step away, take a quick break. When we come back, what are Packers players inside the locker room saying about Jordan Love? We had Bill Huber on the Bill Michaels show about a week ago, week and a half ago. He gave a good answer. So I'll play that for you when we come back. We'll talk about it. A lot more to get to. Ben Kenny, Grant Bills, in for Bill Michaels. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. All right, we're back. Bill Michaels Show. Ben Kenny Grant Bills taking you up until 2 o'clock. We got some breaking Brewers news to get to at the top of the 12 o'clock hour. Um, one roster decision of a guy who's been pretty hot and another uh, big, let's say, starting pitcher news. We'll get to that coming up at 12. I mentioned it as we had into break. Bill Huber on the Bill Michaels show about a week ago on what players are saying about Jordan Love. Take a listen. Yeah, it's, I don't think it's as high as Charles saying, um, which makes sense for me. Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest players of all time. So right. I, that's by unfair bar, but um, I'm trying to go through my – DMs right now. Um, he threw a holy bleep pass almost every day. Grant, I like hearing that. Does that not do it for you? The arm talent—it's tantalizing. That's why teams were interested in him. That's why the Packers wanted him. Not because the interceptions or the mechanics, but he has that natural arm talent. So you sit him for three years. Get him super familiar in the offense, get him some nice weapons, and hopefully that translates to some big plays and explosive scoring drives. You know who else throw or used to used to throw, I guess, through a lot of holy bleep passes? Carson Wentz. Well, yeah. But injuries got him and his his mindset, which wasn't productive. Zach Wilson. Oh, okay. That's why he was drafted in the top three. I don't mean this to knock on love. Just like, why is Zach Wilson's problem is he would make the throw that would turn your heads and think that's Mahomes. And then there would be a a 10-yard curl that he would overthrow by 20 yards, right? So it's about so much more. But the question is, in in LaFleur's offense, take the small sample size against Philly, if the ball's out quick, hits hits the top of the drop, Christian Watson's fast as hell and he gets it to him, a lot of it the offense can do for him. So the the setting's good with a, a head coach that has shown an ability to call an offense, right? Like, we still have to learn about it. But if the holy bleep, the, the holy bleep throws being there doesn't mean everything to me. I'm a big fan of can you do all the simple things well every time? And then I don't really give a damn if you can fit a ball into the non-existent window because hopefully you don't need to make those throws. If you can, well, that's incredible. That's Mahomes, Right. But there are also quarterbacks that have made a great living being really good at everything that's simple. And Mahomes has shown that when he needs to check it down, he can. 
for the most part. Sometimes he, you know, he gets a little baited oh. into wanting to make the big play, but not like Josh Allen, right? Oh. Like Josh Allen really struggles with the easy stuff because yeah. he always wants to go for the home run. People call him check down Pat. Yeah. In the, do they really? No. I was going to say. In the Kenny house and in the Bills house, we care about uh, replicability. Sustainability. And re- repeatability. Sustainability. Do you also, in the Bills house, we also say that the best ability is availability while we're throwing cliches out there. The, the problem with Zach Wilson is, is twofold, Ben. N- number one, he makes the hard throws look easy and he makes the easy throws look hard. That's a bad place to be as a quarterback. However, I think Zach Wilson's problem is not just his mechanics and, and the way that he throws, but it's his mindset too. Like, I don't want him going into a postgame presser and saying, I don't want to check the ball down. That's boring. It's like, oh, well, that, that seems to be an issue. That seems to be a red flag. I don't think it's just about his, his physical traits and the type of quarterback. I also think it's about his mind and his approach. He's a knucklehead. You heard him after the game where the defense balled out. They asked him if he thought he could have done better, and he said, nope. If Jordan Love isn't that, I can work with that. If he is a guy that sometimes makes the hard throws look easy and the easy throws look hard, okay. As long as he's more coachable and self-aware than Zach Wilson, we can can do something with that. We can make that work. That'll play. I feel like he's going to be very efficient on the podium. Yes. He's not going to say that much, which isn't amazing for our business, but he's not going to get himself in trouble. It's just going to be, no. it's going to be Graham Mertzian. Very rehearsed, very cliche, says all the right things, nothing to write headlines about, which again, for what we do kind of stinks, but in general is good. I'm fine if my quarterback just says enough to not say that much. Because it's about how does how does the rest of the team react to that? And, I mean, Jordan Love is not going to be sending messages to the head coach about his contract, about who's calling the plays, uh, uh, to the GM to say that certain players aren't good enough. No more are we going to look into whether Aaron Rodgers said that Amari Rodgers was just returning punts for them or if he really, really didn't like how Samari Torre was progressing through training camp. Yeah. So... Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. All right, let's do this. We got to step away, take a quick break. Coming up at noon, breaking Brewers news. Saw it cross. There's a discussion to be had Ooh. as they get their season underway in a week, I believe, in Chicago. Can't yeah, wait for well, that. I'll add some insight. I have lots of insight to add, as I was in the locker room last week. Ah, yes. So we'll step away, take a quick break. A lot more to come. It's the Bill Michael Show. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Okay, welcome back in. It's the Bill Michael Show. Ben Kenny Grant Bills. Big noon hour coming up. Not only Grant, do we have breaking Brewers news, uh, which is fine. I mean, you're the guy who goes to spring training. You're the big J. Yet I'm the one who who right now is wearing a lanyard of an event I didn't cover. So who's the bigger Big J here, you know? I would have brought my credential today. I would have worn it if I knew we were doing this. Well, we'll answer that when we come back. I also have intel on where Brian Gutekinst is right now. Is he in New York? Is he talking with the Jets? No. We're going to talk about that when we come back as well. Um, We're going to hit the top of the hour here in a minute. 
Now, I've, I've intel on Goody. Uh, the Brewers have named their opening day starter. And then suddenly the wide receiver market is starting to dry up as well. For those that wanted the Packers to have maybe gone out and gotten a vet, DJ Chark, the former Jaguar and former Lion, signed with the Panthers just now. Obviously, Nelson Aguilar a little earlier with the Ravens. So maybe for the Packers, it's get Corey Davis in the deal just to just to get him, right? Yeah. Not to change the draft compensation, just to take him off the Jets' hands, pay him whatever money. Maybe that's the veteran wide receiver they go with. So we'll see. Probably need another guy in the room, aside from a rookie. Big noon hour coming up, though. 877-867-1670. We'll take your calls. Talk Packers offseason. Has it, has it been a success overall? Talk Jordan Love and where he fits in the NFC quarterback landscape. And then the two big pieces. Brewers name the opening day starter. We'll tell you who that is. And more notably, where's Brian Gudikins today? You'll hear that next.